Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. A lot to talk about as Brendan Johnson, myself, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay are all here to discuss. And guys, the Detroit Pistons, an interesting state, but uh, Aaron, hold on, we'll get to you in a second, Okay. Uh, Aaron just tried to kind of run in front of the microphone and interrupt me here. I know we don't have the video evidence, but uh, what the hell? Is did going you just on? pull a Reggie Jackson? <laughs> you know, we need wow. to like begin these podcasts with a little more consistency, and um, you know, you'll you'll take another week of the Palace Business podcast, but uh, we're not going to settle. We just got to keep getting better and um, so forth. Are you going to get my interview next? Yeah, I said we got you next. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, all right, good. Obviously, this is piggybacking off of Reggie Jackson interrupting Blake Griffin the other night after a four-point win against New Orleans. And, guys, Blake Griffin was really kind of calling out his teammates right there and calling out the lack of consistency, calling out that they need to close games better, that they're too lackadaisical down the stretch. They're taking ill-advised shots, they're turning the ball over, and they're not just sealing the deal. There's not enough closers on this Pistons roster, and he was calling out his guys. Obviously, Reggie Jackson interrupts him. The video's everywhere. You've all seen it, um, and if not, you could check it out on the Palace Pistons Twitter. We have it up there, and um, just, just a bad look for Reggie and probably what was unintentionally a just bad thing to get involved with. Yeah, so I'm just going to get my full spiel on this and just one one full clip. Uh, obviously, Reggie Jackson doing this, it's going to look awful. Like, there's no... Like, obviously, we've seen how it's been perceived. It looks awful. It's terrible timing. Do I think it's this huge deal where Mike Lenny goes on 97-1 and says, because of this, Reggie Jackson should never wear a Pistons jersey should, again, should never wear play a minute as a Piston again, should get traded or suspended or fined? No, that's bullshit. Let's be honest. But it's just not good timing. And in a way, what Blake is saying correlates with the Pistons being happy after that kind of a win when they should be mad as hell because they go in, they build another lead, and then Blake exits the game, and of course, here come the Pelicans without Anthony Davis, just storming their way back into the game. And the Pistons blow the lead, and then Blake has to come in and save the day once again, like he has had to do every time he comes off the court in a Pistons uniform. It's embarrassing. So Blake should be mad. Blake should be pissed off like he was in that interview. And Reggie Jackson coming in and being happy, you know what? He shouldn't be happy. But at the same time, is that something that, after everything that's gone on with the Pistons this year, is going to be the thing that is the down the downfall of the team? The thing that the national media is going to click on to? I mean, we should be talking about other issues with this team. They can't shoot the goddamn basketball. They can't put the ball in the net from inside or outside. They're inconsistent as heck. But, no, let's get all the clicks off of a player inter- interrupting another player in an interview. Sure, 
terrible timing. It looks awful. I'm not defending Reggie Jackson. He should be pissed. As one of the one of the so-called leaders of this team, Reggie Jackson should be just like Blake Griffin, mad as heck at how that game ended and how they collapsed. And the thing is, Jackson had one of his best games in a long time because Jackson in the last week or so before that game had been playing terrible. So Jackson had a nice game. Blake had a great game, but no one else could hit the side of the barn, as the Wayne Casey would say. It's a much more developed quote. Something hitting the side of the right side of the barn or something was something I don't know. It was a Dwayne Casey. Great quote. quote. Great quote, Aaron. You know, yeah, just nice trying job. to get nice some job. Of it. Nice job. Needs a script <laughs> in front of him, everybody. I do need a script for that quote alone. I do, but. There's just so many other things you could be mad about with this team. Be mad that they blew the lead. Don't be mad that someone interrupted an interview. And I get it. Like, I do get why you would be mad. But that's just, with this team, that's the least of your worries. I'll say this. The optics of it are terrible. Blake Griffin's going off about how the team has no focus. They get too complacent. Uh, there's no consistency. Um, they, they get too happy on themselves. And then Reggie Jackson comes in and, you know... Uh, bombs the interview like that. You know what I mean? Sure, it looks bad, but just like everyone who's got any sort of reason says, if Reggie Jackson knew what was actually being said in that interview, he wouldn't have done it. I do believe it kind of does speak to a deeper issue of how Blake seems to be the only one who truly cares and doesn't get complacent, but at the same time, it's not as big of a deal as the national media is making it out to be. It looks terrible. It is cringy. It does send a chill up your spine when you watch because you're just like, oh, Reggie, what are you doing? But he didn't know. He didn't know the tone of that interview. He didn't know what was being said. It's not that big of a deal. I do believe, like I said, mm-hmm. it speaks to a deeper issue, but at the same time, it's not some team collapsing, franchise collapsing moment. So let's stop with that. Sure. No, I agree. But to me, I look at it. And I just say, and you guys have hit on it, it does touch on the deeper issue. And I think that it just shows that Reggie Jackson is always just going to be happy with a Pistons win. If it's ugly, if it looks great, no matter what. And um, I don't think interrupting that interview is something that you know you, you suspend a guy over. Or you, you freak out over by any stretch of the imagination. But... I think you kind of have to look at it and say, wow, Blake Griffin truly is the only one that recognizes that that's not okay. Because even if, you're not even worried about the interview, but if Reggie Jackson or any other Pistons, you know, if they recognize like, hey, that's a game that we should have won by 15, not by four, they wouldn't be acting all goofy after the game. They'd be going back in the locker room, they'd be sitting down saying, Guys, we need to be honest with each other here. We're glad we got this one done. We're glad we're putting a W in the column. But we got to be better down the stretch. And, you know, second unit, you've got to step up. And first unit, you've got to step up. Guys got to make plays. We can't, you can't dig yourself a hole. You can't build yourself up a lead and let, you know, 85% of it fall away. Then you just have to kind of hold on and pull it to the end, you know? There, there needs to be more leadership on this roster. And this is something that maybe we can kind of transition into. Neither Reggie nor Andre in their era in Detroit has been a leader. They just haven't been. 
and they've been young guys. Reggie getting his first gig as a starting point guard. He didn't take advantage of it being a leader, right? He just he never has been. He was a bad team player when he was in Oklahoma City, writing SPG on his shoes before going into you know every game, because you know he should have started over Russell Westbrook, right? <laughs> so Blake Griffin's the really first like natural leader that these guys have played with. And this is going to end up going one of two ways. They're going to go or Blake's going to go if you want this thing to be successful. Because I don't think long-term that these three can mesh. Go ahead, Aaron. I'll let you speak on that first. Well, I think... I don't I don't even know where to go with that, honestly, because I think that's such a big decision to trade Reggie and Andre. It is. That it's going to... I, I just don't know if they would do that. I think they'd rather wait out their contracts. I don't know if they're going to get... And get nothing for them? I don't think you're going to get anything for Reggie Jackson right now. You may not. You may not. But if you get rid of Reggie Jackson, you at least can move on at finding your starting point guard of the future. And identifying it and making a move without having a guy that's going to absolutely destroy your locker room. Because I'm sorry, if you brought in a guy to replace Reggie, you start giving him those coaches' decision DNPs, then that guy is going to not only fold, he is going to bring guys down with him. He just will. And you don't want that in your locker room. Here's the thing. Ed Stefanski did an interview with Matt Derry on the Wired Pistons podcast. And I think what Ed Stefanski said was unbelievably telling of what the position of the front office is. He flat out said it. The fans need to have patience because we're going to be riding this out. He said he's not going to make a move for instant relief only to hurt them in the future. And he's not going to make some big move that hurts them now and possibly in the future. He's only going to make a move that makes sense. And what appears to make sense to him is riding it out. He said multiple times, the fans need to have patience. There's only so much you can do with this personnel on the court and off of it. Mm-hmm. He straight up said pretty much in a roundabout way, I really don't like the personnel on this team that much. He said it. Right. Telling the fans to be patient. We've got to ride it out because that's what all we can do at this point. I, I, I will say, though, it is really frustrating to, and I know Ed Stefanski's still new to town. It's really frustrating, though, to be told you got to be patient because the the Reggie Andre pairing, that true Pistons core, has been together for several years now, and the Pistons fans have been patient. Ten years patient. It's been a decade since the Pistons' last playoff win, not series win. Single game playoff win. It's been a decade. You've watched this team underperform back to back to back years. You watch this team get to the playoffs and get swept off the floor by the Cavaliers. And that is the highlight of the last decade. That is your highlight. The premier moment. I, it's, frustr- it's frustrating. It's not that it's not frustrating. But they don't have the assets to really do anything. And the assets, they do have the assets outside of Luke Kennard and Bruce Brown. 
Nobody wants. Nobody wants Reggie oh, Jackson. So you have to be patient with it. You have to ride it out. This goes back to the conversation we had uh, like it, before the season started and then through the early part of the season when we talked about Blake needs a, a wing playmaker and how much of a difference this can make. And it was just, there's no assets. You have nobody to move. I do think you could get something for Andre Drummond. I really do. I don't know if you get something amazing, but I think you could get something. And to me, getting something, some even mid-level first-round pick attached to it, is enough that it allows you to move on from this core and restart while building some youth around Blake Griffin, letting him mold some youth. And you get guys like Kennard, Bruce Brown, and maybe you end up having to move somebody like Luke Kennard in a trade, even though you try not to. But you have guys like Kennard and Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas and a couple guys you bring to town and you know maybe keep Stanley Johnson around. And now you've got a younger core buying into the Blake Griffin leadership and he can really mold them, not only for his time here, but then for beyond. That would be amazing for the organization. That's how you become a first-rate organization and you do it the right way. Well, I'd like to check back to Ed Stefanski because I think the reason that Ed Stefanski is saying to be patient is because he's kicking the tires on a player that he worked with when he was in the Memphis front office. They've become available in trade talks. It's been reported. They've been told that they're being looked they're, that, that they're looking to trade both of them. Marcus Saul and Mike Conley of the Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies are available. And I think that Ed Stefanski is saying be patient because he's trying to talk to Robert Para, the owner of the Grizzlies, and their general manager, Chris Wallace. I think that I think Chris Wallace is still the general manager there. About not Marcus Saul, but Mike Conley. Because the Pistons need a point guard. Mike Conley and Ed Stefanski have a history. I think they're working on that. I think they're trying to put something together in that matter. Personally, I would. I think there's a, a right now benefit to Mike Conley, but I think that at the end of the day, his contract is going to be albatross, worse than Blake Griffin, because Conley's play has seemingly well. He's had he's had a more recent injury history, first off, and his his play has not been very good compared to. I mean, he's still a good player, but Blake Griffin is playing career basketball right now, which makes his contract worth it. Mike Conley's contract is only going to higher, and I would expect at the age of 31, where Blake Griffin's only 29, Conley's play is going to go down. He's going to help this team right now, and I think Ed Stefanski is seriously looking at that because I think Detroit has the right mixture of contracts that are going to come off the books and uh, a young player or a pick to make that trade come together, and that concerns me because, again, I'm not not looking to bring in Mike Conley and lock myself into Conley making thirty plus million dollars a year at the age of thirty four. That scares me. But I think it's something that they're looking at and I think that's why they're they're really just trying to hold off to see how far uh, Memphis will go before they sell low on Mike Conley just to clear his money up the books. I think they're trying to wait all the way until the deadline to get Memphis just to cave in and, and Detroit can try to get him at, you know, seventy five cents on the dollar. The only way you pull that Mike Conley trade is if you're able to trade low. You, 31 years old, two major injuries. His play is clearly decreasing. Clearly, he's on the downslide, making 30 plus million. That is a move that hurts you in the future. 
You cannot make that move. Ed Stefanski said he will not make moves that hurt them down the line for instant gratification. You cannot sell Luke Kennard in a first-round pick or Bruce Brown or anything like that. For You cannot overpay for Mike Conley. You absolutely cannot do it. That's heinous. That's ridiculous. So he's making $30.5 million this year. Next year he's making $32.5 million. And in 2020-2021 he'll be making $34.5 million. So That's so his much money. goes up as he gets older and as, assumably, his play declines. That's He's not an all-star level player anymore. Of course, you know, he hasn't made an all-star game in his entire time in the league, which is crazy. But he got buried in Memphis in the Western Conference. So it happens. But that dude, if he would have been anywhere else, would be a six, five, six, seven-time all-star. He's that good of a player in his time. The- but he's 31 now after two major injuries. He's not playing at that level anymore. He's just good now. And it's only going to go down from here. The only thing that makes this this possible deal a little ex- more acceptable is that the money comes off after the 2021 season, which I believe is in line with Blake Griffin. I believe that's in line. I can check on that. But if that's in line, if it doesn't work out, then you have you know nearly $70 million in cap space to go work with. So they could say, all right, we're giving this another two years to work on this roster and see what we can build. If it doesn't work, then fine. But we're going to go in for the rest of Blake's contract because we're looking at the way that he's playing. He's a top 20 player in the league right now, maybe top 15 with the numbers he's putting up. We're going to go in and we're going to try to get as much as we can with mm-hmm. this team. So, again, Mike Conley is set his final year of getting paid would be at age 32, 2020, 2021, $34.5 Blake Griffin in 2020 2021 will make $36.5 million, and in 21 22 will make $38.9 million. Okay, so Blake has one, one more, more year, year after that. But so that is why, if you look at this, Mike Conley is a short term option. And if you make the move for Mike Conley, then obviously you are really buying into just winning with Blake. And then restarting all over again. And I cannot tell you how opposed to that I am. Okay, it's no secret that Brennan and I are on the youth movement train. But obviously that can't really be a thing right now. Especially when you got Blake Griffin on this team playing the way he is. I disagree. I still think he can. Like, I really do. But they're more than one piece away, my guy. Like, is Mike Conley a piece that put, is like I if, said they're more than one piece away. Right. So like but let's say the Pistons have one piece in Blake Griffin. And ideally you need like three premier players to win an NBA championship. Does Mike Conley fit as one of those three for the next two years? I think he can. I mean, he's still a good player. He's not he doesn't he's not a point guard that's gonna with Blake Griffin be enough to win a championship, but they can fight in the East. And if they can get another piece, I don't know how. Maybe they trade Drummond too to try to get another wing of some sorts. But which is something we should hit on real quick. Yeah, this is this. I mean, we can talk about that too because it, it all ties together. So it just does. bring it in. So Detroit is what three and three in the last six games. They've won three of their last four or something like that. When mm. um, Andre Drummond's been out in concussion protocol, the center play. Has not been great between Zaza, Blake, and John Luer. Even though John Luer had 11 points and six rebounds against 
New Orleans. He might have been like pump that, that trade value up. On the, on pump the that trade value. Three up. out of five, by the way. Three out of five. So Detroit's won three out of the last five. Andre Drummond's been out for I think the last three or four games. He's been out three. We've lost two out of three, but one of those was the buzzer beater to Sacramento. So I think the the Pelicans game really showed that if Detroit could get just an average center and could somehow swing a major wing piece, this team would be so much better because they were further able, proving our point. They were they were able to handle the centers, and I get Anthony Davis was out, but again Detroit would have to get an upgrade at center. I'm thinking of someone a la Dwayne Dedman, a guy that's very gettable. If Detroit wanted to go get him at the deadline. Or down the line. You know, that's a guy that you can trade for with minimal assets. If you were able to swing a serious wing piece, you would just need a center who can rebound. Exactly. Who can card the basket a little bit yep. and can rebound. Because that is, it. you can clearly tell there is a huge downswing on the rebound with, rebounding without Andre Drummond. Obviously, he makes a huge, huge impact on the game there. But it's not like Detroit's been any worse off without him in right. terms of winning and losing. It only further proves the point. The spacing's better. If you could get a major wing piece to go with Blake Griffin. Yep. You yep. have better spacing. The offense will flow better. You <clears> get it, I don't it's just so much. It's just the team would be better. You look at the wing performance against New Orleans. Luke Kennard 5 points, Langston Galloway 8 points, Reggie Bullock 5 points, Stanley Johnson 0 points, Bruce Brown mm, 2 points probably. You know, he doesn't score the ball a lot. Maybe at 5. Yeah, I know he had a corner 3 to start the game off. But is it, is, uh, that's crazy that I can remember that Bruce Brown made a three-pointer yeah, to start, start the game, the game. You know how much I care about Bruce Brown now. But if Detroit had a major scoring threat on the wing, I don't know who that could be because Bradley Beal's not going to get traded. CJ McCollum's probably not going to get traded. Chris Middleton's not getting traded. I don't know who it is, but if Detroit could find a legitimate wing, this team would just be so much better because... They can get an average starter. You don't need a major asset to go get an average starter. But if you can trade Drummond and get a wing that can shoot and score and slash and do a little bit of extra playmaking, this team is so much better. It's so much better. We've seen just how much Blake needs a wing score. Reggie Bullock, he's really, lately to me, it just he's trending in the downward direction. And Detroit should really be trying to trade him. While they still have him on a team-friendly deal, it can get positive value for him because he's shooting the ball worse and worse. Two of twelve against New Orleans. His numbers are down from last year. Yep. So know. you should be trying to trade him. Luke Kennard, after having a nice, really, really nice four-game stretch, has had back-to-back games where he shot the ball terribly and had just five points in each game. You know, Bruce Brown isn't going to score the ball for you. Kyrie Thomas, for some reason, is out of the rotation again. Haven't seen Glenn Robinson the third. Stanley Johnson's not scoring the basketball for you. So there's just no one scoring the ball consistently on the wing right now. That is what Detroit needs. They need it they, desperately. They need the wing bad because I'm a big Luke Kennard fan, obviously. And I stand him hard. I'm all about Luke Kennard. And I think he eventually will become that awesome wing piece that puts up 20 a game, that's making plays for himself and for everyone else. But he's a sec- young player, second-year player, who's finally starting to see meaningful rotational minutes. Mm-hmm. It's not up and down. So, of course, it's going to take him some time to find his footing. He's a young player. He's going to go up and down for may- this year and maybe next year. He's going to have streaks. That's what's going to happen to him until he fully comes into his own. So, yes, 
he they need to go find another wing piece because Luke Kennard is their best option right now. That's scary. And he is still too young. He's still riding that wave of consistency that he's not going to find probably mm-hmm. until next year or the year after. A full-on consistency. You know, we talk about these moves and we talk about riding it out. And I think, though, that there's some things that have happened even since Ed Stefanski did that podcast. We were able to get some audio from that. But there's a couple of teams that are suffering from injuries now in the Eastern Conference. Indiana losing Victor Oladipo. Uh, Brooklyn's got Spencer Dinwiddie out. And as more teams start to hit the injury bug, that's only going to be more of a reason for Tom Gores to push to buy at the deadline. Because it's not that I don't trust Ed Stefanski. I just really do believe that Tom Gores is the one pulling his string saying, go buy, go make a move, go do it. Because he wants to win now at any cost. He said it. He's been all about it. And I think that with these injuries, Tom Gores, if he at all pays attention, at all, is going to be saying, we must buy at the deadline. And we must make a move to get in the playoffs this year. I To make to keep Blake Griffin happy, you have to make some sort of move. My obtainable wing idea for Detroit is Tim Hardway Jr. I think, well, he's available because that's been reported, but I think you can get the Knicks to give up Tim Hardway Jr. for something not very good. You know, they like reclamation projects. Hey, Stanley Johnson, there you go. There's your there's your reclamation project. you got to match the salary, which is going to be tough because I think New York wants expiring because they want to be able to go and attract free agents. Um, Detroit really doesn't have an expiring contract. I don't think New York is going to want Ish Smith because Ish, they already have Trey Burke, Frank Nitkalina, and um, Emmanuel Moutier, who's having a nice year himself. Uh, so they're not going to want Ish Smith. Reggie Bullock's money doesn't match up, nor would I really want to trade Reggie Bullock and Stanley Johnson for Tim Hardaway Jr. That seems like a somewhat lateral move. Um, so if they want to take on an extra year of money, Langston Galloway or, or John Luer would help make that work. I don't think Langston Galloway, though, alone is enough. It might be just enough. Um, but Tim Hardaway Jr. is a guy that, that should be obtainable for Detroit and would help. His shooting numbers are not the greatest. He's shooting under 40% from the floor and about 36% from the three-point line. But he's the number one option on a terrible New York Knicks team. He's averaging about 20 points per game. You get him in an offense where he's not the, the, the guy that teams are zoning in on, and you're, he's going to get more more looks where he's going to shoot a better percentage. So that's, that's my obtainable, realistic trade option for Detroit. I, I love Tim Hardaway Jr. I agree with what you just said, that if he doesn't have to be that first guy on a terrible mm-hmm. team that teams are zoning in on, he's just going to flourish and be even better than what he's doing right now, which is, I think, very, very, very well for himself. But you don't think the Pistons are going to have to overtrade for him? I don't, because New York wants off him and Courtney Lee's money. They're really trying to clear a cap space that they have locked in for the future because they want to be able to, hey, Kyrie, come play with us. Hey, Kevin Durant, come come be the star now. You know, So they're going to be going after guys that are big names, that are going to command big money down the line. So they're wanting to open up cap space. That's why Lee and Hardway Jr. are available. So Detroit, I think, can get them for a, a very respectable cost. That's fair. I just, I wouldn't. I would pray they wouldn't overpay for Tim Hardaway. I agree. Oh, I agree. I would pray they don't because, do it. Because 
He's had a nice season, but his number, his shooting percentage has declined throughout the season. Um, so it's a, it's a trend that he started off hot and is cooling down. But at the same time, he's a legitimate scoring threat on the wing, a 20-point-per-game guy right now. You know, he's probably not going to score 20 a game in Detroit, but if he can get you but 15 on the to. wing a night, mm-hmm. Detroit doesn't have a guy that's getting them 15 a night on the wing. A consistent 15 a night. Right. So it's, I'm, in, I'm in for that. If, I, if Detroit's I, if, going if to they're not overselling for that, I'm cool with that. If that is, if there's a reasonable price, obviously both teams have to believe, you know, they're get, they're winning the deal. Obviously, there's so much that goes into it, but if they can get that for not and not overpay, that's a win. It would be nice to find somebody that could probably be a little bit more of a consistent scorer on the wing for the Pistons. I think Aaron, you bring up a good option, and I mean, what a surprise though that you know uh, two Michigan guys, including one to my right here, who's got a nice pullover on, a pretty consistent look for the Pistons podcast here, <laughs> is just in love with the former Michigan standout Tim Hardaway. Like, is that a surprise to anybody? Not me. I, I've been very honest in my whole <laughs> life about how once Tim Hardaway went to the NBA, I didn't think he was going to really pan out. I thought maybe he'll be okay. Maybe he'll be a decent shooter for someone. Uh, but I bet he ends up overseas. No, he's a 20-point-a-game guy all of a sudden in the NBA. Albeit on the Knicks, so he has to be the first option because it's a bad team. But clearly he can score in this league. Yeah. So no. I see no problem with going to get him. I know you're making jokes about it. <laughs> I know. But I'm all about him. Hey. I'm all about him. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's all good. Well, the Pistons are an interesting spot. 21 and 26 is their record as they get set uh, to play in Dallas tonight. And is tonight the night that Dennis Smith Jr. just kind of gets kidnapped and brought on the plane back to Detroit, and uh, that's just uh, how it goes? You know, it's it's funny how, how quickly that dream died because it, it, how that whole situation went from Dennis Smith Jr.'s holding out from the Mavericks, he's not reporting to the team, the Mavericks are talking, then, you know, then the Mavericks are talking to Smith, they're having positive talks, but Smith's not expected to return yet. Then Smith returns. He plays, you know, puts up 17 points and five boards in there for in his first game back. And it's like, now you don't hear about it anymore. No. How awesome is it going to be when he drops 30 tonight and just buries the Pistons? How great is that going to be? Oh, it's going to be great. Because I know that's what's going to happen. It's going to be great. We know our history as you a wanna trade? You want to trade Reggie Bullock and Ish Smith for Dennis Smith Jr.? Are you kidding me? Pistons fans in my mentions. Oh, Reggie Bullock's such a good god. shooter. Oh my god, I was Smith ready. leads the second unit. I was not ready. Are you kidding me? Dennis Smith Jr. is such an inconsistent rookie. Young player. Why do you want him? That I, guy has super still still has superstar potential written all over him. I wow. I cannot believe wow. that like Ish Smith and Reggie Bullock were what Pistons fans were telling me was too much this to get town, for Dennis This Smith town Jr. is loyal to a fault with players, no matter who they are. We are loyal beyond a like beyond a fault. We love everyone who ever plays in this city. There's some exceptions once in a while, but we love everyone and never want anyone to go anywhere. Yet we want the team to be better. Well, how do you get better? You got to make some moves. Well, you can't trade anyone because we love them. Okay, they're so good. All right, that's why this team is five and that's why five hundred. That's we're, why the we're city clinging on to. Average role players. That's why this city has become average in sports, and that's why our fan base has become average in our expectations. Because we don't want any sort of movement. We love anyone who comes to Detroit 
especially if they make the decision to come to Detroit. Mm-hmm. We love them. Never get rid of them. They're great. They have one good game, and, you know, we bow down to them. That's just what this city does. We, we used to be so much better than that. We need to be so much better than that. This is such a great sports town. And we're a, holding on to mediocrity so hard. It's a mode of desperation. That's what it is. Wish the, I wish the Pistons had Luka Doncic. No, that's a good pipe dream. Well, the Pistons, good wish. the Pistons will at least get to see Luka Doncic twice because they play them tonight in Dallas and next week at home. Those games are both before we pod next in between the Dallas sandwich. You got a little matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks as well. Oh, so great. Another fantastic game for the Pistons to get to play. A team that personally I still think can win the NBA championship. I love that Milwaukee Bucks team. Uh, I love their guard depth. They are are scary good. They're good. good. They are scary good. I'll take Toronto over them in the East. I think Boston will eventually put it together. They're good, but... And they're not going to beat the upper echelon on the West in Golden State. I'll tell you, I think they could. I think their guards could do it. I really do. But it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of season to play, and you never know what kind of injuries or other things are going to hit the surface. There's obviously a couple teams in the East, such as Indiana, are um, really trying to figure out where they go now with a guy like Victor Oladipo out for the rest of the year. So, But Detroit, a couple of games coming up before we podcast next as they sit at 21-26 and 26 and trying to fight their way back into the top eight of the Eastern Conference. So... Boys, another good week here on the Palace Pistons podcast. Before you go, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Like and share our Facebook page. Uh, Palace Pistons on Instagram. Our website is putting out some great content right now. PalaceofPistons.com. There's some really good pieces to check out. Um, And the other thing is, our subscriber numbers are rapidly growing. They are really going up. We've really got something good going here. So we want to thank all of you for your support, checking out the podcast, and make sure that you continue to do so. I just want to give out one disclaimer to Pistons fans. A a trade that I've seen on Twitter by a reporter, in quotation marks, uh, was a Charlotte trade to Detroit that sent Andre Drummond to the Hornets for Nicholas Batum, Malik Monk, and a first-round pick. Um, That reporter, not the guy that you should be listening to, Uh, I haven't seen him report anything of any sort of magnitude uh, nearly to this. He always has posted stuff like this where he has the entire package of deals put together before like anyone else has even heard of the trade being a possibility. Uh, And and just think to yourself, how many times do you hear about a full-on trade package that's put together and on the table until the deal is right at like the final minute of it being completed? So that trade rumor... That trade was asinine. Don't buy into it whatsoever. Uh, it's not legitimate. It's not from a legitimate source. You can dislike Andre Drummond all you want. Uh, here's my opinion that trade was garbage anyway. Andre Drummond for Nicholas Batum's contract. Malik Monk, oh great, another young wing that hasn't put it together yet on a Pistons team that already has a couple of those. And then a first-round pick that when Andre Drummond and Kemba Walker unite in Charlotte and put it together ends up being a, 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 a back-of-lottery or out-of-lottery pick. Um I mean, come hard on. pass, hard pass. Yeah, hard pass. But again, if you're going to trade Drummond, get the value. Right. That trade, not legitimate, so don't put any stock into it. Like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, check out the website, check out the social media pages. The Pistons play in Dallas tonight. Stay tuned for live tweets in the Palace of Pistons Twitter, and we will see you next week here on the Palace of Pistons podcast.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.